0: Well, interestingly enough, the podcast I put up last Sunday um, didn't publish. So here you have it. When I listened to it this morning to publish, I heard that some of the edits got jumbled in the podcast. So There are times where I end and then begin somewhere else. So please forgive me. This is a process that is um, getting better and better all the time. Anchor is uh, such a wonderful uh, platform to create a podcast on. I highly recommend it. It is not perfect. And uh, so... Anyway, please forgive me as this jumbles around. uh, You'll understand that um, there there are there are we have room for growth. Okay, so with that, here you go. and welcome back. I'm honored to be podcasting in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Scugog Islands, First Nations, and we are within the Williams Treaty. Today is September 11th, and it's been 20 years since the great 9-11 Not so great 9 11. And um, there's a lot to reflect on, and there's a lot that we have learned, and there's a lot to be learned still. And not to bypass 9 11, but there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world that is caused by. Issues of the ego, let's call it. And so in this episode, we are going to dive into some of what I think is going on here in the world. And yeah, what I'm learning, because it's all very new, uh, new medicine, new landscape, new emotional climate. So much has changed in 20 years. 20 years ago, I was dreaming about this life, like my life now. I I wished for a time when things were more slowed down and when the focus was no longer on the grind of society and where people were more conscious of their health and the relationship between our emotions and our wellness and how that's dictated, literally dictated by the culture and the climate and the conditions of our environment, our community, our family, those people around us on the daily our teachers, and all of the structures that um, and systems that are in place to reinforce and support and sustain society. Well, as we know, society has come from a history of violence and manipulation. I am not an expert in that field. All I know is that Gaslighting is a word that's being overused right now, but we are all recognizing the signs and symptoms and the conditions that not only set gaslighting up, but sustain it, allow it to perpetrate conditions that allow it to grow and exist in the world. So thank you for being here. Let's get on with it the end of last episode, I mentioned I was taking a course uh, from NICAVM, which is the National Institute for Cognitive and Behavioral Medicine. So what I'm learning in just the very first video that, that you get in, in this course, the child experiences these individuals completely different. With the one who is loving and nurturing, the child is open and safe, feeling safe and and um, belonging. And with the other, it creates this repelling disengagement at a primal level. We're not even aware of it because it's perceiving the rejection not understanding but we are wired for connection so we recognize when it is not present and that wisdom uh, happens on a visceral level without our awareness so babies even as babies they disengage their central nervous system rejects the individuals that are not caring and nurturing and it's so sad because throughout history, men in general, first of all, and then women as a result, have been conditioned out of natural nurturing behaviors because of, you know, these absurd conditions that we've placed in society around what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman. And so men in general have been conditioned to be cold and unemotional and detached. They're the breadwinners. They're the ones who have to go out day after day after day after day into the grind. And not that they have to. Lots of women are doing it as well. But throughout our history, the way we've set our society up, men began as the breadwinners, women began. We're homekeepers and mothering, you know, family makers. So we've all been conditioned and the children have suffered. In every time in history, the experts are out there on the edge saying the medicine and the science that they believe is true. And yet in history, when we look back, we see that throughout the history, for sure, throughout the history of mental health alone, they've been wrong over and over and over again. The things that they were demanding were the the most current models of medicine or approaches for medicine. Uh, we're not, I'm again, not, a, not an expert on that, but it's fascinating to me that um, without knowing it, these conditions have been imposed upon us. We are the result of those conditions. We, we are not even aware of that, really. There are people who are aware of it, but the masses are not aware of that. And now we're learning that the central nervous system interprets, you know, there's part of our body that interprets and communicates. 97%, 93%, sorry, of communication is nonverbal. 7% of communication (laughs) comes from our lips and the words we speak. All the rest is all this other stuff that we are not made aware of and we don't necessarily even understand at this point. So this idea that you know, I this idea that we can shut down like a, a baby can shut down because it's not feeling safe because a person is not nurturing, doesn't know how to nurture like, how sad is that? And and that creates this uh, detachment between parent and child, let's say, or person to person that we are not really even aware of. It creates a distance that is not uh, tangible necessarily, because the central nervous system is interpreting what we are not necessarily aware of it's fascinating so when we get triggered we have no idea what we're missing really and to what we're actually being triggered like on what level are we being triggered um, and so when egos flare up it's like they're flaring up against the the uh-oh this mirror that I was talking about back in one of the other episodes, this mirror of between my desire, my reality, and, and me as a witness, me, myself, and I. Yeah. So it's just, to me, this course is really interesting and it's, it's helping me to recognize that, um, what, what I've sensed all my life is in fact something. So let me describe my very first memory so far that I remember was triggered when I was in my 20s in college. I was in a commercial art college and... I had to buy something called the linen tester so a linen tester is this little tiny magnifying glass that sits up um an inch it has measuring like a square inch measuring units in it it folds and i believe originally linen testers were designed for counting the linen threading in fabric you know you you put it up to fabric and you um you can count the threads. In my case, in college, in commercial art college, we use it to look at when we were studying offset printing. So what the trigger for me was looking through that linen tester at my different clothes and just looking at different fabrics. And what I recognized was it, it like unlocked this memory of Seeing that as a baby being passed around at what I can only imagine was a a gathering of some kind. I was being passed around from person to person, from arms to arms. I guess because my eyesight was so young, that was my view, everybody's fabric And I was fascinated at how everyone looked different. Also, I was fascinated at how everyone smelled different and how everyone felt different. How in some people's arms, I just by, like, I believe it was probably my grandmother and my mother's arms that evoked this in me, but that I just completely relaxed. And in other people's arms, new arms, new smells. Um, I was not relaxed, but not necessarily uh, rejecting the experience. I was just experiencing and feeling. And and then I remember being put into somebody's arms and immediately feeling afraid and crying, like immediately going into that freak out mode and then being taken into somebody else's arms and and just feeling that wash of calm go over my body as i relaxed in that person's arms so that's a memory of mine from i can only imagine was maybe my birthday or um Maybe it was before that. Maybe it was when people were gathering at Christmas. I was born in November. Um, And so maybe people were gathering and coming to meet me or gathering for the the holidays. And um, yeah, so it's fascinating to me. And I think that it's important that we understand this autonomic nervous system that we have that engages with us it helps to interpret and communicate on levels that we have no idea of so um you know and part of that too i think it happens when you start studying alternative medicine you start thinking outside of the norm and when you start studying things like shamanism and you know Peruvians and Russians and the Scots and the the Celts and the Welsh and the and the Druids um, they all had shamans all of the all of the main cultures began the the Africans, they all have their own version of what I call the shaman who are individuals who can translate between the worlds and they travel on the behalf of the soul and they understand the interweavings and the entwinings of ego and, and spirit and they uh, walk between these worlds and do medicine and, and ceremonies on behalf of the soul. It's absolutely fascinating and beautiful work and, um, and I feel honored to understand it I no longer really practice um, until I can find myself and um, which I, I believe it's coming fast and furious. I had an experience last week that I want to talk about, but I need permission first. So um, yeah. listening to the crappy childhood fairy, Anna Runkle, recently, just earlier, actually, she's talking about abandonment melange. And I can so relate to that. So it's that um, combination of uh, um, abandonment when abandonment is is this combination of rage, panic, and grief that just grips you. And when you've been hit by some kind of issue that rips the rug out from under you and your whole world crashes before your eyes, she calls that, or she refers to it, actually. She, she didn't coin it, uh, I'll find out who did, but um, she called it abandonment m- melange. And when she was talking about it, I imagine like this cascading where your whole world is imploding and, and I feel like I have experienced that a couple of times with abandonment, with the be- betrayal in a relationship where your whole world is fixed and rooted, And then something happens completely undetected and out of the blue, literally rips your confidence and your world apart. And you have to then look at all of the different pieces. And if I just, I really related to what she's saying about rage, panic, and grief. It's, it's this combination that I would imagine happens uh, when you have no control over what's happening. And for people who are victims, that is their reality. They have been abandoned. It's just all making me think about really understand the body and the brain and communication I'm a huge advocate. You know, this is why I do the work I do with the Virtues Project. It is because the quality of our caring matters. The quality of our conversations matter. And the quality of our communication outside of ourselves and inside of ourselves It matters. Recently, you know, I've been having thought-provoking, amazing conversations. And it just occurs to me that um, the the light of who we are is connected to confidence. And when our confidence is compromised, challenged, betrayed, then on a a visceral level, on a cellular level, there has to be a shattering of sorts. The shattering comes with lessons and opportunities to look at how to grow. And that's the beauty and the purpose of the five strategies of the Virtues Project is to help us to be in our fullest and wholest and striving to be learning and growing to be our fullest self. There are facilitators who take the Virtues Project into the school system. There are facilitators who take it into the social service system, into the medical system. And for me, it was in community development and parent involvement. And and because of my background in studying alternative medicine, it was just this natural puzzle piece that helped make everything make sense. So there have been a few th- times in my life where i have these experiences that help to make sense of what i have been previously experiencing i don't think i'm unique in the world i think everybody has these opportunities to reflect and review and but the shattering for me is this opportunity if you go back to episode 7 you'll hear me talking with Janine Cummings about it, the opportunity to only pick up what you truly want for yourself. So when when you see your life and your circumstances for whatever reason, shatter on the floor, shattered in life, when you've lost your roots and you don't know where you stand, you get to either fester in that loss and discombobulation, or you can pick up the pieces of your life that you truly want and move forward without the rest of it. So there's opportunity in the shattering and. Janine and I referred to the dark night of the soul, and many people are experiencing versions of that, and have been experiencing versions of that, you know, f- for all their lives. It's, um, but but here's here's where the Virtues Project makes a difference. Five strategies are speak the language of virtues, recognize teachable moments, set clear boundaries, honor the spirit and offer companioning. So speak the language of virtues is all about recognizing action and the gifts of our character and being able to use the language to acknowledge, guide, correct, and thank an individual. Recognizing teachable moments is all about opportunities in every situation to look at what virtue you're being called to, or to acknowledge which one you're practicing. And so we can do that in others as well as we can do it for ourselves. Set clear boundaries is about protecting our time and energy. It's about knowing uh and holding power in our life. And it's about loving ourselves enough to truly advocate for what's important and what we we need. And then Honour the Spirit is about loving and honouring uh, the, the part of you that, that drives your hopes and dreams. It's what fuels your passion. It's the creative force behind um, most artistic initiatives it's not necessarily uh, a spiritual honor the spirit but it is it when we say honor the spirit in a secular way it's really putting value into and then the last strategy offer companioning is a counseling strategy. It's a walk alongside of someone to help them tell their story, to help them empty their cup and unburden in some cases their heart and soul. In a companioning session, there are steps and there are boundaries. Within those, there's opportunity for healing for uh, all kinds of learning and growing and negotiating and collaboration and unifying. It's such a collaborative and beautiful mutual understanding of one another. When a group practices all five strategies, the culture transforms. When a person practices these strategies for themselves the inner dynamic transforms and it has a transformative effect. And that's what the founders had in mind 30 years ago when they talked about they would like to do something. You know, what could they do? They asked themselves the big question. And they came up with the idea that The virtues belong to all of us. They are common in every major religion on the planet. And what makes the Virtues Project relevant and unique are these five strategies and what the five strategies do is it helps you to activate and integrate the virtues into your life from birth to death the five strategies applied to help inspire and enhance the quality of life period it's a beautiful global initiative that's been active now for 30 years as a company and uh, I'm so honored to help to uh, do the work. We started off here talking about 20 years ago and today being 9-11 and recognizing that our central nervous systems are part of the visceral emotional connection from our head to our heart. And that's kind of like body and spirit maybe, you know? When we're born, we're born pure. And this nervous central nervous system is primed for connection. And every interaction we have, we have an echolocation system within us too. We just don't know it yet. Every experience we have comes in through this system and it bounces off the mirror of our soul. And if it's good vibrations, then there's no discord. There's no dissonance. But if there's danger, if there's resistance, if the body cues are picking up signs of rejection, if there's abuse, God forbid, uh, then that echo bouncing off the mirror of the soul does not resonate they do not compute and on a level that we don't know even exists there's this dissonance that's happening because those things don't compute so you know the shattering is like a visceral shattering at the same time there are times when the experience is so horrific that there's a split in consciousness. The shamans uh, refer to it as like a fragment of the soul. And I find it fascinating that through history, through every tribal culture, had a medicine person, a shaman, to, you know, long before doctors and long before colonialism, even the Scots, even the Celts, even the, you know, every culture has their version of of the medicine, man or woman. And purpose of their job is to help piece back these fragments of the shattered souls, and to help bring people back into wholeness and to help restore power. You know, my my point here today is really to talk about the world's messed up and how do we bridge our way to peace without having to get caught in the chaos, in the vortex, in the cesspool of history. So we need to acknowledge and honor. We need to represent We need to call into accountability. And we need to face the future and the present time with a lot of courage. These are all virtues. Assertiveness, beauty, diligence perceptiveness, strength, hope, discernment, charity, flexibility, simplicity, respect, resilience, honesty, modesty, nobility, idealism, tact, wisdom, serenity, mindfulness, optimism, peacefulness, gratitude, creativity. These are all virtues, fractions of who we are as a soul. And the more we can use our experiences in life as teachable moments by honing our virtues, calling these virtues into action in our life, using every experience as a teachable moment by retaining our power and setting clear boundaries, we you know, all of these strategies are designed to support and help us to polish that mirror of our soul. And, and what that means is so that we are showing up exactly as who the mirror of our soul knows us to be. So when that reflection comes in, there's no dissonance. There's no discord. Because it's a match. And it doesn't mean we need to be perfect. The Virtues Project is not about um, being perfect, even though excellence is a virtue, but it's about striving f- to be the best of who you are. And that is a lifelong journey. It's it doesn't end at you know school age or never ends. It's from birth to death, as one of the facilitators uh, pointed out years ago to Linda Kevlin Popov, the founder, who, by the way, along with her brother and her husband, practiced such trust and devotion over the past 30 years, and their love for the virtues and their trust and and purposefulness in the action that they committed to When, when the genesis of the Virtues Project began. It was 1988 and I was in Commercial Art College. A lot of good things happened that year. It's so interesting. Their sacrifice has been their service And their service has brought this great initiative to the world um, that has the potential to bring peace and it has the potential to build bridges. So go and search it out for yourself, virtuesproject.com. Come and join my fundraiser, it only costs you $10 and you get to hear And see over eight hours of 15-minute videos. There's over 30 videos, and um, each one is 15 minutes. And you have until December 31st at midnight to watch them 24/7, whenever you want. So come and join the fundraiser, and your $10 Canadian will. hundred percent of that will be going to the virtues project and i am running this fundraiser uh, until the 31st of december at midnight so you can take the videos in right up until that point point, at any point that you like so you end up with a dashboard and I've explained it already. I don't need to go into it again. Look into the links in the description and check it out yourself. So if you're still here listening, I just want to let you know how grateful I am. And thanks so much for being here. I hope you've uh, gotten something out of it. And I want to hear from you. So say hi, drop me a Voicemail, audio, come to the anchor.fm forward slash Barb's world and leave me a voicemail. I can't guarantee that I'm going to put it on the air, but I might. That doesn't really sound very inviting, does it? Uh, Uh, How about this? And I've said it before, if you don't mind it being on the air, just let me know in your message and that way it's all legal and stuff. Otherwise, consider it private.